My next guest is a journalist who says they're retired and is also a hip-hop artist. He's written for Vice, Noisy, The Fader, Medium, among many other news outlets, and has been making music for close to a decade now. Introducing Crash Press. President say, hey, hey, hold up. Uh, can you please slow me out as a friend? If you near my mouth but don't want to hear my mouth, I'll pretend you're the one I can depend on. Then we gonna tend to our knees, be some freaks till we meet our separate ends. Had a closet I was cramped in, it was cozy as a Benz. Then I fell in crush with what's their name and told my bestest friend. Well, at least I thought he was until he cornered me and I move vulnerably. Now he not close to me. Fuck all his amends. When I fell myself again, it won't feel myself no more. I rebranded into a whore. Took my antics out on tour. Through assortments of uncharted holes and swollen men galore. So my thottish had a lore. So my slot went overboard. I got deep throat, deep stroke, and weak coat. So I need emotional support. I got free smoke for each bloke that's trying to hold the court. Please be honest. I need bondage. Neither trauma nor a hog tie. Let me be a fall guy. Let me be that one you want, Yeah. Let me shit out my body right next to Don't need no hook, nigga. Just two-step to this shit, nigga. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Crash Prez or Michael Penn the second. Going on with y'all. There we go. Bro, even outside of your music, before we get into your music, I just recently realized you're a fucking like writer, like a journalist. I'm fake retired. Fake retired, bro. I'm fake retired for sure. Yeah. You look like a journalist. I can I can see it. You got like the quest love hair and then the glasses. Looks Thanks, good. man. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh it's hilarious. I was in Atlanta with yo for the Kanye thing, and he spazzed on me. He was like, the hair is working. You gotta lose the glasses though. Like you need to you need, you need to have something so it's like other people see you and it's you and they can't like compare you to anyone else. Because yeah. like literally I was in a liquor store with my cousins and like I was like just looking for like some water. Like, you know, you probably get like one section of the liquor store where you got like a, a gallon of water or something. I just kind of wanted that because it was hot or whatever. And I knew when I made it back to the B and B wasn't gonna just, you know. And I like ducked past these two women. They was in the back and I was like looking for the John. I couldn't find it. And I walked away and I could hear one of them saying, oh, he's giving me J. Cole. And I just turned back, and I just shake my head. They start laughing and shit. <laughs> I can't fucking win. Like, like, damn, nigga. Is that it's Cornell West, it's the occasional Malcolm X. Quest Love is a first. But wow. then ever since free form it's J. Cole. And then it's like if I'm <laughs> I was in Cali and I was like kicking it and niggas just I wouldn't even I wasn't even like talking that much for a certain moment and like five minutes into a conversation, it take less than five minutes, niggas be like, you know, you give me like a real like Donald Glover vibe. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? I haven't even talked. You haven't even heard my music, bro. I'm like, my music don't even sound like that. He's like, it's not even the music. It's just like, you have like a real smart vibe. I'm like, I don't, what do you want? Nigga, I'd be rich. I wouldn't, I'd be student loan free. There we go. I got that. I am, um, I'm in Seattle. So like the population of black people here is very, very small. It's like, don't quote me. I think it's like 3% or something. Because we're in the fucking That's corner. it? In Seattle for real? It's really small. So whenever- Shit. Whenever I have braids or something, people are like, oh, shit, are you trying to copy Aesop Rocky? Or I'm like, what? Or huh? I'm like, black people have braids. <laughs> I don't. Oh, man. It's like, hey, you want me? Can I approximate you to the nearest black person I have reference for? Because <laughs> I don't know any. Yeah, it's it makes sense that we're in the very tippy top corner of the United States. So 
I see. I know my white homie Devin, like from his vantage point, he's like the white boy that knows everybody, and there's like a lot of black people, a lot of other different types of people. So I, I just kind of figured that Seattle, like if you in the pocket, you just tapped in. But is it really just like if you know black people, you know everybody, know everybody, and then everyone else is just white? Is it really just like that? Is it giving that? That's what I'm starting to realize because especially because I went to like an all white school basically. So I was definitely like the token black kid. And then now that I'm out of high school and everything and I'm meeting more diverse people, there really are just like in tiny pockets and everyone does somewhere know each other where it's, whether it's through like basketball or some other sport, like there's like a lot of like pickup basketball games throughout Seattle or leagues and those basketball players are the rappers, the rappers will know them, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> As well, I only been to Portland once, and like the two days or so that I was in Portland, like it it would be white people too, like two or three different white people would like bring up that it was illegal for black people to live in the state of Oregon until like nineteen fifty something in the state constitution or some shit. Oh god, something like that, something like that, and I'm just like, yo, this gentrification is crazy. I could already tell this brunch is good, but like at what cost? Like, I can see why niggas don't live over here. Like respectfully, or my my friend. Whenever I bring them around artists, they'll be like, they'll ask an artist. They'll be like, "Oh, so where'd you grow up?" And they'll be like, "Wait, listen, watch this." So they'll ask, and then the guy or girl will be like, "Oh, I'm from like North Carolina or somewhere like east mm-hmm. or south," and she'll be like, "Yes, you know what? No one was really born here, Blake. You're like one of the, if I if I really think about, it, I'm one of the first generations of actual black people actually being born in Seattle. A lot of people are like." immigrate here so that's that's wild to me what brings people there like immigrate from which directions i don't know really like um i i don't know the only thing i know about i really need to learn more about the seattle history when i think of immigration i think of the fucking like gold rush and (laughs) shit like that but then that's mostly all white people or maybe like people working on the railroads but i bet we probably was on them jumps too and we got a race to some watch and then, oh, Probably. what was really huge here was the fucking, um, when Pearl Harbor happened, we had, Seattle was really big into those internment camps. <laughs> so, I don't Not know. Shocked. We don't really have a, um, it's crazy because we're supposed to be like a really liberal city, but when you look at our history, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But anyways, let's get, let's get into your Kanye West experience, bro. That's so dope. Like if, if anyone was to cancel on a podcast with me, it'd have to be something like that. And for me to be like, okay, that's dope. I completely understand. Or actually, this is also an exception. The other day, like last week, no, two weeks ago, I was supposed to have a guest on and then his cousin got shot. So I feel like that that might be an exception for not to be on the podcast, you know, but. Yeah, that's on the approved list of exceptions. <laughs> but tell me about this. You fucking even wrote, that's how I found out because you wrote an article on vice about the the release party even though there was no actual release i couldn't hear shit i couldn't hear anything if you watch the stream on apple music you heard it more than i did i didn't even go back and find like no illegal like bootleg at a job i'm just gonna wait and apparently it's gonna throw like another part i don't know like i went i kept my mask on because i was paranoid and i wanted to get back to georgia anyway i didn't even start like writing for the vice general like i kind of just went on pure impulse like pure foolish impulse and then i kind of just lined them up and then the next day i woke up and you know hit my phone he's like gotta go get you a bag and then lady uh, leslie from vice hit me up 
So I was like, okay, at the very least, I'm about to break even on this jump. Let me go out there and see what's cracking. So I went out. I saw it was cracking. Not much was cracking. It was it was very odd to be around like 50,000 people again, like especially in like a football stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd never been to Mercedes Benz before. But yeah, it was like every type of Kanye fan. I kind of forget like he's he's the person that will bring out every type of person, like every type of every type of person. It's it's nuts. And we didn't even like, bro, like we was sitting in that jump for like, we was doing the wave and shit. That's how bored niggas was. Like we were sitting in that jump for like three hours before something happened. Like when oh, the music kind of just came on, like how like if you get in your car and you forget to like switch the volume knob and just like maximum turned up. It was like 950 something. This shit just came on and niggas was confused as fuck and shit. They kept dimming the lights. Niggas thinking somebody was going to come out the tunnel. We didn't know what was going on. And this nigga shows up in a red coat <laughs> on like a white floor for projection or something. And he's just pacing around and shit this half done as album did he did he not even talk right the whole time not at all this is the whole thing this area he's not talking at all he just talked and cried he didn't even talk he just like kind of fell to his knees a couple times he like had the mask on still he would like get closer to crowd people would geek out a little bit then he'd back up i couldn't tell you justin leboy could tell you i don't know if you could get a justin leboy but <laughs> i don't i'm not the i didn't get the I wasn't in the, the nice section. You could kind of see like the section where like, all the guests was at, where Kim K was at, where Tierra Wackenham was at. It was even weird because like the regular seats right above it, like, and then right below it, it was like the little box where all the celebrities was at. And you could see like people like constantly like leaning in and leaning down, trying to take pictures and having a flash on if somebody super famous walks through and shit. That's why they, somebody had on Twitter, they had like the angle of Kim K walking in with like North and them, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it very weird. Was so it some nigga from Brockhampton in the hallway? Oh, Kevin Abstract or? No, nah, not Kevin. I, I forget what his name is, but he's he's Brockhampton affiliated. I looked at his name. I'm like, why do I know him? I was like, he's in Brockhampton. I'm like, of course. So overall, how was your experience at Mercedes-Benz Stadium Kanye West release party? Out of five. Not even out of 10. Out of five. Two five. 2.5. 2.5. Two definite, definite 2.5. Was it, you know, like you see, the, have you ever seen that video when he's doing um, the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album tour and like he just pressed one key on the piano and everyone like, of course, out. classic. Yeah. Was it on that level where everyone's like, oh God, like this is something special or were people actually like, what the fuck is going on? This isn't special. This is just a waste of time. It was a blend of every single type of reaction, but like it wasn't even giving like pablo level like all the famous people gathered around the ox like it wasn't it definitely wasn't that it was just kind of like this is happening he's walking around the music is loud as shit i can't make out which features are which i don't know what he's saying and he's probably going to change it 20 times after the fact because it's probably people in the stadium recording versus pulling up and shit so I, I, I pulled up i pulled up i observed we went to jr cookers after i had to stay up till six to write that joke and people enjoyed it. People really enjoyed it. So I am fake retired. I came out of fake retirement for that jump. My homie say I'm like the Jay-Z in music journalism. Like I'm, I'm just dropping kingdom come every other second when I feel like I need to get a little byline off and shit. But people really enjoyed it. So that was cool. How, how, how much for tickets? Or was it free? It was like first come first. It wasn't free. It wasn't free. It was like 20 something before tax if you want to be upper 50 something before tax if you want to be in the bottom row. So like two tickets were like 144 after tax and then and then chicken tenders were 50 bucks no see i think that was like some catering shit i don't know where niggas got that from because like bro like chick-fil-a was open you know what i'm saying like everything was open and nothing was costing that much i don't know why 
people were passing it off like regular people were paying that much. It wasn't even given that. See how Twitter just be misappropriating shit? <laughs> it didn't go like that. Same way, like, you see the joke where, like, the white dude said he, like, completely photoshopped and, like, skipped through all the lines to, like, get to the photo pit when he didn't have credentials. Somebody was like, yeah, that's cap because security checked our shit so many times. And I'm like, he probably had a pass already. He probably capped for, for the social media metrics. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't know. So, so Proximity will do a lot of weird things to people. So you were there as a fan, and then you had a connection where they're like, hey, you want to write this article for Vice? yeah i was there on some like impulsive like fuck it i want to be part of this because i you you always think about kanye moments in the context of what he's doing what he's capable of based off what he's done in the past and like what the new version could be because regardless of how many times he pisses us off there's so many of us that like keep that hope like tether yeah that tether to like maybe he will you know what I'm saying? I just want to pull up the experience. I want to. I don't experience something even if it's mid. So I just want to see what's gonna happen. I just want to be around it. COVID is still happening. You know what I'm saying? Like we all people flew. I had homies from Minnesota. I had a homie from who live in Chicago too. But like he was in LA and then he came right back over here and then went right back to LA. Like people pulled up. You know what I'm saying? Just to, just to see if something would happen. You know? That's wild. It is. It's very wild. And then he's fucking living in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium now. That's the funniest. I was saying the other night, I was like, bro, how many times in life could you say, could you point at a building that you're driving past and be like, Kanye West is in there? How many times could you do that? That's not like a show. Oh, shit. Maybe they need, they probably do have a lot of security. What if some guy just wants to like snipe him or something? Ain't nobody. Ain't nobody. Man. No. <laughs> just no. This shit is gigantic. The stadium is gigantic. Yeah, so no one knows exactly which room he is, and I guess. Don't but... even put that in the air. Don't even <laughs> put that in the air. There's so much editing that needs to go on in this one. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so how does that work? So that you can just write for Vice, but you're not like an actual writer for Vice. You're not. I mean, I freelanced it. Okay. How how has that happened? Like, is that easy to freelance for Vice or? Not necessarily. I mean, you kind of just have to already participate in the media space and kind of know someone or get reached out to. Uh, I freelanced for Vice in the past. Um, I had two other pieces on there. They're all kind of like years apart, which is hilarious. I kind of clicked my own name on there. Um, only had two other joints. But uh, yeah, my first time I freelanced for Vice, I was a senior in college. I was like 21 the first time. Mm. It was about um, Tony Robinson, the dude who got uh, murdered by police in Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know if I... So I went to the funeral. Was that a kid or something or an adult? I don't know. He was 19. Yeah. Jesus. And what what, what impelled, like, compelled you to write that story? I mean, they reached out. That was like the last month or two of my senior year. And that happened. And I actually wasn't even in Madison right when it happened. I had, like, went to Chicago for a second. And then I like checked my phone and all my timeline was going crazy because everybody's protesting and all that. So I got back and I just like, that shit really colored like the last fraction of my my senior year especially because i was in journalism school too on top of that mm-hmm. like this the, the climate of uw where which in general right but like where I, when i went there um and a lot of the shit that like black folks and brown folks was going through especially like folks in our scholarship communities because it was really like tight-knit um you kind of would move through that space already realizing like the effects of what 
whiteness can do based on what people can get away with and what's encouraged, what's what type of behavior is enabled on an individual level, on a grander level. And to go to that school and realize or hear people say like, yeah, I know like police violence is really bad, but that would never happen here. Like Madison's different. Madison's so different. And then they kill a kid because he was high and his friends called for help and the officer fucking killed him because he was off the shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't intend on going to the funeral to write about it, but like Vice kind of hit me up because I was really on some like, I had a lot of op-eds and shit back then. So, you know, that was like a crazy opportunity to even like be frontline and kind of cover that and give like a grander um, context to like the climate of Madison at that very point. Cause there was like a lot of protests going on around like Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, and then that, then that shit happened and it fucked that town up. It's only so big, it's not that big, you know? Mm-hmm. So with your, with your, degree I think, i'm guessing you have a degree in journalism yeah did you were you able to find like an actual like solid job or did you were you only sticking to like freelance i actually got um i got a job way later down the line because i was convinced back then that i didn't want to work in a conventional sort of setting whereas i didn't want to graduate and then like jump right into an advertising job because i didn't care about that or i didn't want to like write for insert place gazette or insert post doing like just by the numbers news coverage and getting paid like 32,000 and you know having to have that in my bio it wasn't really my wave ever like I always wanted to cover culture stuff I, I, I participate in this shit you know what I'm saying so like being a journalist was the only thing that I ever really wanted to be when I was a kid and then I fell in love with music so like a lot of just my adulthood really has been like straddling those lines and like kind of participating in as many ways as I could if it's all contributing back to you know, giving back to the culture and shit, the culture that raised me and the culture that gave me my voice and, you know, my identity, my freedom, etc. So I participate by spitting that shit. I participated by documenting it. Like I've literally documented it. And I feel like people really undercut and discount the sort of impact of an opportunity like that. Because, you know, back when we had think piece errors and stuff like that, people would it's a, it's a fun thing to like punch down on the journalists. Like it's always a fun thing to punch down on media niggas. Now it's the same way niggas punch down on podcast niggas. But like, now nah, we actually, if it's done excellently, like if it's done with care, with empathy, with thought, with intention, like you're documenting this shit. People can look back and see what's happening and they're gonna turn, if they weren't there and they don't know people that were there, they're gonna turn to these pieces. So even when I would consume rap media, like, this shit was dry, bro. Like half of it is just glorified PR. So I didn't want to be that, you know? Um, I freelanced for a little while after that. And then I ended up at VMP. And then I recently left VMP two months ago. But I was at VMP for like three years on paper. And I was freelancing for them for like two and a half after that. So I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to Missy Elliott. I've talked to Rico Nasty. I've talked to Denzel Curry. I've talked to LP, Killer Mike, Big Boy, like... A million people, man. DMC, like my the clips, my clips is crazy, bro. Like, what's what's VMP? It's Vinyl Me Please. It's this is Record Subscription Club. Okay, so when you interviewed LP, was that? Yeah, that was for the um, VMP. That was like around the beginning of my podcast, Good Convo. And you still have your podcast or no? It's it's in limbo right now, like everything else in my life. Um, like I, I can do what I want to do with it. I have the rights to it once I left, but um right now I'm kind of not prioritizing that. That's why I tell people I'm fake retired, bro, because it's like I got 
I got records to get off. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this I've given? All, go ahead. Is this all because of COVID or? Just... No, I mean, no, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't because of COVID. Um, it just, you know, I have other things I'm trying to do, and we moved on. And I was doing this. I was doing the podcast all through COVID. You know, mm-hmm. um, somehow because like people still wanted to talk to people, and it's like everybody's album cycles are fucked up. People are pushing shit back. People are et cetera, et cetera. So, like, I was able to start that somehow in the middle of all that and you know some people are paying attention to it i kind of struggle with sometimes i feel like people aren't paying attention to that work and then like out the blue i'll get like a message from somebody who just like said i've heard all these or like yo i love this like i, I do this when i wash dishes i do this when whatever what have you so that was cool to see but as far as right now where i'm at in my life and what i'm focused on it's not media stuff like i've done that for 10 years if i'm counting college i've done that for 10 years like i don't need to do that no more not right now so what are your main priorities right now then <laughs> shit these raps nigga Hell yeah. She's like the shit I just sent you before we started this recording. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got shit to get off. Bro, you're fucking opening for Arm and Hammer. That is. Yeah. Tell me. Knock on fucking wood. Cause like, so this is it's, it's looking fucked up right now, Blake. Like, I'm just assuming September's not happening. I'm assuming it. I needed to, but like, I wouldn't be shocked. You know? Dude, Arm and Hammer is like the next, they're like the new era of Griselda, in my opinion. No, sir. What do you mean? No, man. Like they're true. Like I'm really into like gritty they're rap. Like this, they the same age as them niggas. Really? Yeah, they were like so, late thirties. That's so wild to me. Like I'm trying to, because I'm so young. I'm trying to find people that are truly successful at a young age, and then I'm I keep reaching out to these people to work with, and it turns out like whether it's in Seattle or just in the music industry, I'm like, you know what? They really have their shit together. And then it turns out they have their shit together because they're in their like 30s. I'm like, oh, so I'm trying to to fail a million times, you know? Yeah, but I feel like there there has to be a point where, yeah, you can fail. Everyone fails at things, but you have a community where you're learning so much at such an early age that you can be successful super young versus having to wait to your in your 30s. I I had no idea they're in their 30s. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, like, success is not, like, a linear sort of thing, and failure is an inevitability, and it's on the road to success. I feel like there's so much to speak for having success at a young space because we fixate on youth from an aesthetic perspective, and as far as what people sell and advertise, it's always young, 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 young. Even look at, like, rappers now, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Baby Santana's, like, 14, you know what I'm saying? And he's got drinks with Tekka, and I'm like, hey, you look at how old, like, Sofago is, or, like, kid Leroy or Tekka or whoever those folks are it's like you pushing young 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 or even like the generation before them like juice peep all of them like they're young super young and died super young um like that's not everyone's pathway and I feel like you're such a vulnerable person to be granted all that access and all that excess at that sort of age because chances are you're probably not getting resources money visibility it's probably not coming with the right people to guide you through that because you can workshop people through it but like until you're experiencing fame until you experience that level you can't prepare for it really like who's teaching you how to manage your money who's teaching you how to handle attention who's teaching you how to navigate you know whether or not your relationships are still genuine or like who you want to keep close or who how to to handle conflict how to handle interpersonal shit how to handle your body how to handle your mental health there's so many gaps in the literature in this industry when it comes to any age blowing up whether you're 14 or whether you 
Danny Brown at age 30 or your Griselda in your mid 30s or, you know, your Arm and Hammer on like the underground level or like the indie level, I should say. So like, yeah, it's it's treacherous. It's very treacherous. I'm 27 now. I feel like I've seen a lot even from where I'm at. I haven't even really gotten my break yet, but I'm gonna get that shit. And I don't even know what to expect because I have frames of reference for the people that I know around me who are getting varying levels of success. You know what I'm saying? Like whether it's the indie rock level, whether it's rap, but even with like putting faces to it, it kind of actualizes it in a different, uh, mm-hmm. in a different sort of manner. Like I can actually put dimensions around like, okay, this is plausible. Okay. This is what it actually looks like. Okay. This is how much money you actually finna make off rip. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in everybody's pocket, but like you can kind of see frames of reference for it, but like the way it success or visibility would happen to any of my friends it's definitely not the way it would happen to me like we're not the same people we're not talking about the exact same things we're probably not even attracting the exact same type of people that will listen and we may not have the exact same reactions from people like you don't really control reactions you kind of just hope that people react because perception is how you eat visibility is how you eat you know so but yeah Armin Hammond and Gazelle are not the same thing well overall we just need, we just need a fucking like actual community where there's like there needs to be some headquarters where it's like fucking hip hop HR where you can go complain or like get research unionized for real for real. That's what I'm saying. That's 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 wild to me that this no one really knows. Like for example, I was looking at NBA. I follow. Do you look ever go on hot new hip hop? Not really. So I go on hot new hip hop all the time because they always release like the news. It's kind of getting mainstream where a lot of the singles you'll see or mixtapes that they put on are like just people that are well known. But um, I used to when I was younger. But go ahead. They just put out an article about NBA Youngboy. NBA Youngboy is, I think he's like 19, 20. He's not that old. He's not like 19. He's, he's got to be like 23 or something by now. No, I'm pretty sure. I was looking at, let me look at it right now. Let me look. I'm looking too. I'm pretty sure he's hella young. young. He's very young. No, he's very young. Yeah, but no, he's 21. 21. Okay. The last time I looked, he was 20. So this man's about to go to jail, and he has he's a, he's already a felon at 21. He just got denied bail. Like he's about to get fucked. But he like he has like these cool resources when it comes to like money, cars, and exposure. But he doesn't really have. I don't, I'm guessing he doesn't have the exposure. I mean the resources or community that's actually telling him what to do. He fucking got into a police chase and then fled his car <laughs> on foot. I don't. If you had people around you telling you what to do correctly, I don't think you would have been in a situation like that. I'm not one to talk on that man's situation because I do not know everything about his context and I don't know what his day-to-day life is like, so I'm not even going to speak on that. But like to scale it back some, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? If you, if, it's, it's all coming back to like how black life and black art are commodified deeply and how, you know, niggas like that really come from the trenches, bro. Like actually like and it doesn't stop because you have 50 million on youtube like you might still end up in the same situation like you don't yeah no nah, see i can't even speak on that but like you you understand where i'm going like yeah shit don't just turn off and if anything it's more people watching and if anything it's more people trying to feast off of your real struggle how many youtube fucking how many youtube channels pop up where it's like niggas just narrate gang beefs of cities they've never been in yeah white people Sometimes niggas too, but like white people, not black people. Narrating this shit like it's a fucking, like it's fantasy football, nigga. 
and niggas really dying and shit. It's not a game. So what makes you want to be in hip hop if you're able to step back and like from the journalistic perspective and see everything from like a bigger picture and you see like there's there's dope stuff but there's also tons of hardships and just music in in general what makes you want to be in this industry i mean this is me it's me and you know no one person can tear this whole shit down systemically or redo it all but you can control what you're giving to people you can control your integrity you can control how you represent yourself and the sort of people that you place around you to have access to their resources or to their talents to work collectively to try to bring something to people that may not be present. So when I think about what I'm trying to do musically or just as a person in this industry, like the only real thing I'm focused on at this point is being like the best person that I can be, whether I'm on the mic or not. And as far as what I'm giving people in music, I feel like I don't see anyone like me. Um, I guess there's a step like an air of like competitiveness too, right? But I just, I want to give people the feeling that made me even want to do that. Like I want to spark that in other people, like the best shows, the best songs, the best albums, the best experiences of just being a a student of this shit and a fan of this shit. I want to give people that sort of feeling, you know, like I want to give people pieces of myself so they can hear that shit and be like, I'm not crazy. You know, that's what I want to do. I feel like I've done that already. You know, not to the, the level or the scale that I that I desire to, but even with nothing, I've gotten pretty far with nothing and just figuring shit out. I never had a label, I've never had a manager, I've never had any of that shit. I've been figuring it the fuck out and somehow I'm right here right now. So imagine what I will do when I get all that shit. It's over for niggas. Got me fucked up. <laughs> but like so because you're still growing and people are just more like starting to now like figure out more who you are. Are you afraid or do you, are you happy with the fact that you might be labeled as like a political rapper? Because a lot of your music is like socially driven or. Every, every rap song is socially driven. Every song is socially driven. So you're fine. Be- if, if you blow up tomorrow and people are like political rapper, crash press, would you be fine with that? I'm going to rap about sucking dick even more. And then <laughs> we'll see what you do. Nigga. <laughs> Talk about political. Yeah, all right. Everything's political. That shit's annoying. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Um, I'm not, I, I see, and I know it's ironic for me to say, because I'm pretty sure my friends will watch this or something and be like, this cat. But like, um, I'm not, I'm not too, I can't really, as much as I'm like aware of perception, I can't overinvest myself in what people are going to perceive because as we even started this conversation talking about like just off of like visual appearances right people are going to say what the fuck they want to they're going to assume whatever that's something that like life has been teaching me a lot of lately bro don't assume things about people like real shit like i don't i've had so many conversations around so many different types of people in the past two months to where i'm like you cannot assume what anyone is working with you really can't like just don't just try to go in as open as you can and just really experience this shit like if i pop tomorrow bro and I just get put in whichever box, bro. Really, the sort of desire that I have as an artist is to just be as slippery as possible. Like, I'm not. You can do what you want to do and put me in whatever box you want. I'm going to do what I want to do. You're either going to tap in or you're not. Like, and people that understand that, they going to know, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it's inevitable. I promise. Like, Well, while working in media and going to school for, like, journalism, 
do you, and do you understand what it takes like marketing wise? Like, do you have marketing? Money. Plan? It really it takes money. It takes so much money. It takes luck, but it also takes money and it takes effort. It takes somebody money. I don't, I don't have it like at this current point i don't have it but it takes money for sure i'm not like a marketing major no like i'm not i haven't worked in like a marketing department nothing like that but shit i need one <laughs> somebody marketing so you don't think that you can blow up without well i guess there's definitely people who have but like if you you think the majority of artists or whatever media profession you need money to market or can you just grow like an organic following and even growing organically is going to take money somewhere along the line. Either if you're just building from nothing and just making flips and growing it like that, or you get a crazy viral moment and then people surround you and you have to make certain decisions whether or not you want to stay into you or whether or not you want to let people capitalize off you to get more resources to hopefully stay that big or grow and scale more. It, it all depends on what you want. Very true. So why, why are you retiring from journalism? I read your articles. Your articles are dope, man. Like you're really good at, putting sentences together because <laughs> at the end of the day like the way it stands right now from what i've observed just with how people perceive me which i don't even how did you even hear me first you said you heard me with music but like how i don't know i um it's funny i have a i have a list on my phone notes and it's potential interviews and it's like hundreds and hundreds of artists and i was scrolling through it and you were like in the middle so, so a couple of months ago, I must have heard your music some, somehow or another and decided it was a good time to reach out to you. For sure. Fire. <laughs> so like, um, I don't, I haven't seen, I saw a tweet about this yesterday. Excuse me. I saw a tweet about this yesterday where somebody was saying like, it's kind of sad how, I'm, I'm paraphrasing heavily, but like they're, they're describing how it's, it's very sad to, uh, think of journalism as becoming like a stepping stone industry instead of a sustainable career on its own i think trey smith said that let me make sure because mm. it really stood out to me because it's like people kind of use it as a platform to do other things and then maybe you end up working managing artists then you end up working on somebody's team then you end up in a label building like i'm trying to remember who said that it tripped me out i get that and like how do you feel about so, yep trey smith said that mm-hmm how do you feel about a lot of people feeling that journalism nowadays just has to do with like clickbait? It doesn't even really matter about the content. It doesn't have to. It really doesn't have to. Um, and that's not everybody. And I think there's definitely niches for people who really still care about that critically and think critically. I think it's kind of overshadowed by clickbait and overshadowed by um, virality and drama and how that uh, goes hand in hand and pairs well together. Um, but to your original point, at a certain point, you have to battle the perception of what people know you for first. I'm not like the biggest like writer at all comparatively, but I've done shit, but I'm also in a, a, a pivotal point right now where it's like, what do you want to do? At the end of the day, I need to be on the stage. I need to just be talking to niggas when they get off it. So let's, let's do that. Let's give that everything and see what happens. That's so wild because I just want to be the guy off the stage talking. And you know that. Exactly. And you know that. Right. Exactly. And you know that. And I've been a nigga on both of them things. I did both of these things. And I'm like, this is, I wouldn't be satisfied if this was the rest of my life. So 
No. Are there resources that you know you're missing when it doesn't come to like, like outside of the money aspect? Do you think you need like a manager or like a PR person or just need to like collaborate with the right person? Like, what do you think outside of money you're missing? There's a lot of pathways to it, right? But I feel like at this point right now, I need the right team around me to even dedicate their resources to start scaling this right so I can show up and do what I need to do. And as far as what I envision for myself and the level that I want to scale my career to, I'm either going to need somebody who has a lot of money off rip so we can do it through some backdoor way, <laughs> or I might need the label, bro. I might, you know what I'm saying? Like just to put something on this shit. Cause like, if you just saying, all right, here's this bread, take X amount of months, make this record. I'm going to make the shit out the record. If I know y'all going to push it. Yeah, it's over with. Till then we hustling anyway. I'm going to put this file out anyway. Do you know how to produce I used to. I quit a long time ago. So then how do you find artists or producers to work with? The homies, naturally. So you have a good community? I find, I find all these people naturally, yeah. What, what city are you from exactly again? I actually don't know. Exactly, exactly. No one does. I'm from Maryland. I'm from Fort Washington, Maryland. It's the edge of PG County, like 30 minutes outside of D.C. But at this point, most niggas associate me as a Midwest nigga. I live in Chicago, though. So, so are you don't even know where I live at. Is hmm? that is that good or bad? What? The people don't know where you live at. <laughs> Not I like, like it. I kind of like it. It's a catch 22, but I kind of like it. I like, uh, I don't know. I just like I, anywhere I go, I get love and shit. And I try to find people that are like me and I tend to attract those type of people. So it's like, it's fine. Like past past two months where i've been home i went to new york i went to cali i went to atlanta i went to motherfucking philly for a second like mm. i went to be back and forth between chicago wisconsin like milwaukee madison et cetera, et cetera. like i just got people and I, and I find people that are really fucking cool and um the catch 22 comes into where it's like you know how rap is so deeply like tied to places tied to community region city state you know down to neighborhood accent whatever what have you and I think so much of my professional development has come in the Midwest since I've, I've lived in the Midwest my whole adult life, but I grew up in Maryland and it's like some folks associate me with Maryland because they know that or they remember me long enough to know where I actually come from. The thing about DMV niggas, bro, about Maryland niggas in particular and DC niggas, like we everywhere, bro. Like you, you will we'll find each other no matter where we're at. Like we're dead ass everywhere and shit. Like whether it's stated or not stated or understated, like, you you're not far from a maryland nigga or a dc nigga you could be in la you could be in new york like we find ways we hustle because chances are especially in the music industry even now to this day like most of the shit in dc and maryland is not designed for niggas to really make it out of there or we don't have everything that we need we have talent all day everywhere has talent like i think a rap nigga in pg or like a rap nigga in dc got way more of infrastructure now than ever because of just all the shit that we've seen like start to bubble up out of them scenes whether you street or not but like chances are if you want to be in them offices if you need that access you, you can't just kick it there you know or if you don't fit like the mold of what people think comes out of pg or dc or like richmond or wherever like you got to go where your people are at, you know? So I think most people don't really associate me with Maryland, but I think I've gone out of my way recently to reinforce that for sure to where it's like, bro, like, don't get it fucked up, nigga. Like, I'm a phone nigga. Don't get it fucked up. Like, is it where I'm from, but. Is it important for you to tap into like, these different music scenes? 
it's just like out of I just love traveling and I love being around motherfuckers and just like tapping into them waves and shit and like just doing it in a way that's respectful. Like I don't necessarily go to every place and just try to like ride other niggas waves because I see it and it's tight. I just like appreciate even feeling welcome like to the point like where I was in Wisconsin like I went to school out there I'm not from out there but after a while niggas probably think I'm from Madison or like when I was getting early press or early attention niggas would say it's out of Wisconsin and shit and like in that DIY scene like I still get love over there because it's like niggas remember when I was like 19 20 21 I was playing every goddamn show 18 you know what I'm saying like I was doing all that shit I was opening for fucking everybody and like you know dropping shit and teeing shit up it's also because I was in first wave too it was a scholarship I was in so like a lot of the artists in that program are like that but um when I moved to Minnesota briefly, I lived in Minnesota for a little bit. And like, I grew up listening to a lot of those folks and I ended up meeting these folks and some turned out to be solid. Some turned out to be really fucking not solid and got aired out over the past year or so, like on some weird shit. But before I knew that, even not even all them niggas, but like a bunch of other niggas, like who are in industry shit in different positions, like whether on the back end producing like Simon, that's my dog or like, you know what I'm saying? Like the producer Simon, that's my dog or uh, just a bunch of rappers, like Student One, that's my dog. Like these people, I just found these people and it was just natural, it was just cool. And, um, you know, when I was up there, they treated me like I was always one of them. Cause like, you know, in a way, like a lot of the music from that place, oddly enough, I'm a nigga in Maryland with a computer, like that shit helped form a lot of my early ideas on how I wanted to approach music. Or even when I lived in Chicago, before I lived in Chicago, I've been back and forth forever. like it's so many people in this scene that like, you know, I could see in LA and it's like love, or I could see in other places where like every time they come around, it's like, it's cool and shit. Like, like it's just moving with like a genuine, I just try to be genuine, bro. I just try to show love and show respect, bro. And like not overstep my boundaries and like appreciate the sort of spaces that I get access to and go where love is shown back and hold shit down and just be solid and be thorough and niggas respect that. Especially in Chicago, bro. You can't be on no weird shit. Yeah, that's dope. I think a lot of Seattle artists get stuck in just Seattle. And a lot of them haven't even have been part of the scene for like a decade plus and haven't even left Seattle once. So I think that's cool that you're able to go travel the world or the United States. I don't know if you've traveled the world. But... I ain't been overseas yet. I'm about, I'm about to get my first passport. I'm waiting on it right now. But I'll go with you, man. We'll, I'll, we'll be the NAS and Crash Prez tour gonna go who's coming that's the i'm torn where who's coming blake <laughs> i'm not cracking yet nigga's not coming bro like literally like <laughs> bro i got you we'll, we'll figure this out you're gonna figure it out i was supposed I, to go to london but i'm not you can meet up I'm with Steph rocky and um tyler the creator up there i don't know them niggas you know them niggas no but we can we can dm them or something they gonna respond maybe you, you'd be surprised you DM Tyler, he respond. I'm sliding. Okay, there we go. We'll figure it out, man. He he's in his last. I mean, his album is mixtape. He just released. It's not an album. He shouted out Seattle. He's he's thinking about moving to Seattle. So he did. Where? What song was it? Massa. Did he listen to Massa? Oh uh, yeah. He's like my buy that crib in Seattle. Because when he did some shit in Seattle, like there's a whole video on YouTube of him doing some shit in Seattle, like way back, right? It was some like funny shit. I forgot. <laughs> that's like some that's like some deep cut uh, future shit. I think I remember that vaguely. He came Is over Seattle, or like Denver or something. He came over the pandemic too. He was like taking pictures all throughout Seattle, and like I was like, oh shit, I know that fairy. Oh, I know that rock. It was because he was like taking all, all these cool monuments around. He was just kicking it. 
Yeah. It rained a lot. I love rain. I feel like I would get sick of it though. The niggas just be depressed in Seattle or what? Um, have you not been to Seattle? No. Oh shit. Dude, I have so many exciting things about to happen in Seattle. You gotta yeah, you gotta come through, man. We'll see what this Delta do, but I'll slide. I've been meaning to go to Seattle off some random shit because like if I go, I'll know who to hit up and shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll pop out. It's nothing. Like it might be soon. Like literally, like I ain't got nothing to do. There we go. Wait, so tell me about how do you feel about this Delta variant? How do I feel about the Delta variant? Yeah. The co- what do you mean? Like, <laughs> do you think it's something that's going to shut down the economy again? Do you think people are just. We might not shut down again. We might not shut down again. What's going on in the United States? We might not shut down again. It's capital over everything, over human life. Same way it has been this whole time. Lala's about to happen this weekend. I'm about to be like, oh shit. <laughs> Niggas about to flood Chicago out. Oh, oh my God. Like it's already, it starts today. I think it starts today. They just oh, did rolling loud too. Oh, that's in that's in Florida. No one cares about Florida right now. They're doing their own thing. Shout out to Florida. Lala Palooza. That's so a Seattle artist. Someone I've had on the podcast. His name's Rent. He's a pop artist. He's performing at Lollapalooza. It's really exciting. Yeah, but you saw what happened with them cases after this weekend, too, in Florida. So I'm just like, yo, Chicago about to be burnt out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're, are they even tracking that anymore? Like, my me and my family were huge into Depends. tracking the, um, like, over the summer, we were popping off like crazy. I can't imagine us not popping off right now. It's about to be a long Six months. Five. Five months. It's August now. Yeah, it's about to be a long five months, bro. That's all I really got to say on that. Wait, why five months? I mean, the rest of the year. What about the next few years? What we, we should just say? This is, COVID is a preview, bro. This is like the, this is like the teaser trailer to it's- what we're dealing with, period, probably. Like, just as the world, the world continues to mutate and respond to us fucking it up, like, the earth about to fuck us up, bro. Like, real bad. Like, niggas talking about 20, what, 50? Or is it 30 that global warming is about to become irreversible? I would anticipate that because it's capital over everything. So I would definitely anticipate that. Jeez. But what don't people think this is like a man-made? Hasn't it been decided that it's a man-made virus? What? COVID. Isn't... Didn't they? Didn't we decide that it was from that Wuhan lab? Who, who is we? What is we shit? You talking about we? Who? All, all these like news outlets and which ones? Like so the, 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 which ones said COVID was man-made? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I read the news occasionally. You can't play with that. You can't just say that. No, isn't that a thing that people think it's like from the Wuhan lab? I'm not trying to conspiracy theory. Yeah. But I thought it's been covered, and people really genuinely think that it's from a, a lab, like man-made, from the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. We probably shouldn't put this in here neither. I'm just gonna keep it a bean. Oh my! I'm gonna keep it a bean with you. <laughs> but you, okay? Well, I'm telling you. So you you think it's is you think it's Earth-made or <laughs> from the? Hey, I just know it's fucking niggas up. <laughs> yeah. I just know it's fucking niggas up. And I'm saying when I say it's a teaser trailer, I mean like 
as the world continues to get hot as shit and as we continue to do nothing about all these things and ice caps melt and shit goes extinct and shit continues to go wrong and it gets so goddamn hot we're gonna see a lot of shit because the earth is sick of us Jeez. well as a person do you feel that you're an optimistic person or you're a pessimistic pessimistic person that like what do you think <laughs> i'm curious what do you think i feel like i really maybe it's just the glasses and that you're a journalist but i feel like you maybe you do a lot of research on topics it depends on what it is like me i feel like i don't know i feel like you're someone who like i feel like you can be an overthinker but i don't know i'm an aquarius man what you want from me Oh shit. So you believe in you believe in that zodiac stuff? Passively. <laughs> Dude. Passively. Everyone in Seattle, like all the girls are like, oh, what's your sign? Like people in Seattle are obsessed with all that astrology, zodiac stuff. It's I don't know, man. I don't I haven't really dived into politics or religion or zodiac stuff. I've just been focused on like making connections with people in music and understanding hip hop. There's so many, there's so many, how can one person just in general, like ever understand everything that's going on? You're not supposed to understand everything, but you're supposed to understand where you stand in the scheme of everything. Like, do you feel that you have to be like a political person as you grow up and you are a political person? No matter what, or? Yeah. Whether you have praxis is one thing, whether you choose to develop it is one thing, but like, politically like even you and me talking like that's yeah like everything is you can't like remove the scope of that so people would disagree with me cap like yeah everything is political like that's why i say every rap song is political bro everything is every song is political of course it is you know i talk about bringing some shit down to be political and that's just human nature or this because we're in america i wouldn't human nature I don't even think I don't think it's like U.S. specific. I'm just saying, like in the way of the world is contextualized via you know race, gender, et cetera, it's class, all that other shit. Yeah, it's it's political. Okay. So with all your media, whether it's podcasting, journalism, rapping, have you ever thought of just combining all of them to like make some crazy enterprise? Where like what I want to do with Nast, I want Nast to be like a company that has like an HR that is like a podcast studio recording studio music videos whatever do you feel like you have some goal in mind now that you have all these like all this knowledge in podcasting journalism and rap like or do you just want to be a rapper I don't know how to really combine them just yet um when it becomes clear to me I'll move on it but I don't know yet right now I'm trying you know sell some rooms out that's like my goal like sell some rooms out getting the conversation a plaque could be cool a couple trying to hold shit down for the family you know trying to turn up and niggas like me you feel me that's the goal right now there we go. all that other shit will be present if we still have a world to tend to and it becomes clear how to fuse those things in a way that's that offers something productive for other people then i'll figure that out but as far as like what i want immediately like in the next couple of years try and get this shit cracking damn do you just talk i feel like you talk to your friends about like conspiracy theories i mean not really i don't know i really know i feel like you'll be like 
you'll be sitting in your living room smoking or something with your friends and you know, straight edge really yeah that's even worse i feel that's so- <laughs> <laughs> got my ass i don't know man that's that's so much that must be rough then just being like completely it's awesome in, in the crib with the homies raw dog in life no 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 not <laughs> run. i'm saying like just being pessimistic and being sober <laughs> i don't know man I, don't, I, I can't be pessimistic without being optimistic i don't know where i stand like that little on the scale of those things i don't even know if that's like really the the scale but no nah, I, I would i would like to have hope if i don't have that that's a practice my homie evan said hope is like a discipline it is like i don't know if he coined that shit <laughs> but like he did i said like it's a discipline like you have to like tend to that you know what i'm saying you got to exercise that because if you don't got a vision for the world the way it could be you ass out because if all you have is reality you have to know what reality you're in mm. but you still have hope for something you still gotta like try to build something that is not this because if we got the world here we can get it somewhere else you have to have the sort of willpower to envision an alternative and be willing to put the work towards it and try to align yourself with folks who are like-minded so do, do you feel that ignorance is bliss is selfish then what you mean like if you think that everything is fine because you're not really expanding outside your four walls of life and you think yeah everything's fine because i'm doing fine do you think that's kind of selfish instead of trying to figure out ways to nature yeah i feel like that that, that could be u.s specific i feel like we're very individualistic i feel like capitalism pushes us to be that way it's very look at how niggas is treating covid it's like what do I want? What are my desires? What do I feel like doing? Fuck what's going on around me. Not everyone's like that, but a lot of people are like that. Do you think COVID's made people more political? Because I feel like maybe it's just growing up and maturing, but I feel like a lot of people are, the more I talk to people, the more they want to talk about politics or they're like, you know what's ruining Seattle or society is capitalism. Like I've been hearing it over and over again. Probably, yeah, true. So it's COVID, it's COVID, you feel like, or are you just, what do you feel? I mean, this time, like, this is the first time, like, the majority of people on the planet have experienced some shit like this. You probably got to be, like, 80 to 100 or something. I don't know when polio was. To even experience, like, some shit like this, you probably have to be, like, in your 90s or something to still be allowed to even remember when some shit like this even happened. So the fact that, like, virtually everyone we know has never experienced this before is precedent in itself. And the way that COVID has um, emboldened all the fault lines of our society and every intersection of how fucked up everything is, you should be more politicized by this. You should be pissed the fuck off. Damn. You should be ready to fuck some niggas up. Because this is ridiculous. You should be. I have a lot to think about. <laughs> if you just get back, back to the program, you fucked up. You ass out. I feel like I'm in a position where I've been like in my house well, I was in my house for such a long time, just like planning things out and figuring out what I could do to make money while still staying in media, right? Because like before the pandemic, I was working in radio, then that ended and then pandemic hit. So then all I was doing was my podcast. So I feel like I, I've gotten to the point where I use my time wisely. Like two months ago, I went on my podcast tour. And then I got hired as a podcast producer. But so I feel like I'm getting to a point, even if it's just like deep down, I feel like I want to be selfish 
in thinking everything's going to be okay because I, I spent so much time during COVID being like stressed out mm-hmm. or anyone else was stressed out that I'm like, I finally got, I finally think finally things aligned. So hopefully things stay the same where I can get back into my routine before COVID. Now that I have this producing job, now that concerts are back, but I feel like there's something that's like at any moment we could go into another pen, like lockdown or something shitty can happen and everything just gets like uprooted, you know? You so, know, it's possible because you've seen it. Yeah. Like we've seen it now. We're living it right now. So it's like, it's a catch 22 as well, because you can't, I don't, I don't think you should allow what the world is doing to snatch the joys that you have in your personal life. I don't think you should not celebrate the victories you've been able to accomplish within this stuff within like the midst of everything. Um, but also like, this is like what my nigga Hanno talks about. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like fear, like ain't gonna stop you from dying. So why would fear stop you from living? Mm. It's facts. You should be paying attention. You should, uh, it, it kind of feels silly to plan anything right now. Right. Cause like it could yeah. easily be uprooted. I have four shows in September. I might not get to play one, you know, like, I don't know that for a fact right now, as it stands, I have no clue. That's so- if it doesn't, I'll deal with it. But I guess I'm people just got to figure out what's in their control and what's not in their control. Yes. And that's what I'm figuring out. I I really did. I think I spent a lot of time in the heat of the pandemic, just figuring out like my just right here, right. Me as a, as Blake or Nast. And now I'm thinking about stuff that's outside of my control or like, just like my surroundings and a lot of things that are kind of sad, (laughs) not like people, but like how, just like how things are set up socially. It's kind of a bummer. (laughs) So I think, I think I want to get to a point where whether it's hip hop, whether it's Seattle or whatever it is to just build communities that can make things happen fast. Cause I feel like even this is like a little, this isn't off, off topic, but like, even when you look at like weed and how people have been fighting for decades to finally get weed legalized. That's, that's, it's a, I don't, I don't want to be somewhere where I don't want to be in a position where I want something to change socially or even not even just weed, just like <laughs> civil rights or anything, right? I don't, I don't want to be in a position where it takes like decades for things to happen. And I feel like what I wanted COVID to do was bring people together and like fight for like the right shit versus fighting for wearing a mask or not, <laughs> you know? So I feel like there's a, there's a, there's, there has to be a thing where people actually form true communities that can change cultures or society faster than taking decades or a millennial a millennium what is it not millennial millennial a millennium <laughs> a lot of shit doesn't have to take decades but you know what that requires right i feel like it requires a community and having like a strong focus and like actual plan shit out what else does it require i don't know what what else does it require you know yes you do uh, if you don't want to take decades and you want to get caught up in red tape and and politics and like people says politics <laughs> you see that video where it stitch all the times when people said you know people talk about politics not call it politics he said this shit like eight times 
<laughs> yeah, nah. Nah, niggas gotta die, bro. Probably. Really? For it to be immediate? Yeah, what else has changed? What else has changed civilization or society that fast? Shit. Actually. So maybe COVID is important then. Not What'd in, you a, say? in a dark you, you, you lagged. I didn't hear what you said. Maybe in like a dark way, COVID is important. You know? <laughs> a lot of people have died. A million people in this country, like over a million people have died. And but still people aren't taking it serious, which is wild. Yep. I don't know, man. It just takes perseverance and making like a true community that like, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't, it's easy to like list things that would make like a checklist of what you can have to make things better. But I think, I don't know what it really genuinely takes, but I want to talk about some music. Yeah. Let's talk about music. You seem like a deep person. So I got into it. So What are your goals within the next few months, music-wise? Outside of performing, are you going to be releasing any projects? Is it going to be more singles? I got some singles on the way. Um, the Def Prez album with me and Def C, produced by Nose of Time, our album will be out in the fall. Um, as far as me personally, yeah, it's got singles on singles right now. I'm just trying to like get it back in the in the feel of things. Uh, I got like four shows throughout the Midwest currently scheduled in september um hope to have more later uh but really it's just like recording and try and get a real project together like that's gonna take a while but i'm trying to get my shit back in order uh finding my direction i'm kind of very in limbo in a lot of ways i'm just trying to find the next wave i've been circling ideas for a minute throughout this whole year with the stuff that i've been making and i'm so fucking close and when I get there, it's over for niggas. But yeah, I'm finna get y'all some of these clues as to where we're going in the next five, six months with these singles and shit. I'm excited about that. Um, hopefully I have some like tight collaborations coming out too. Ooh. I think this year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't got like, I don't got the Drake feature. I don't have a Drake feature. No, I was like, no, I don't got no crazy shit like that. But like, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to turn shit up like the rest of the year. We gonna see what's we gonna see what's to it. I'm not really like a singles person most of the time. I'm a very like, I'm a very like project based person most of the time. But it's not really the climate, and I don't really feel like giving niggas a project until I know they're paying attention to it. Cause I don't give niggas plenty of projects. So like, yeah. So like, it's my shit. I'm just taking this shit in new direction. And um, for Deaf Press, it's just like if you like rap music for real, like if you like if you like niggas rapping over these loops, bro, over these samples, bro allegedly you like niggas rapping over just like pure rap and we, we we barring niggas up the whole time that's for you that's the record for you that is for y'all if, like the griselda niggas the arm and hammer niggas like whatever whatever like if you just love that rap shit just we rapping and that's what we, the fuck we came to do the death press album is for you from the bars to the beats some of the best work collectively amongst the three of us you know what i'm saying hell yeah is this when you're making music is it like you're are you always in the studio or do you record at home and then bring it to the studio what's your process when it comes to making music i feel like i'm way better in the studio context i hate working at the house Mm -hmm. i I mean i can write shit at the house sometimes like i hate recording at the house i I feel like it's just way better like focus when i'm in the room where it's like this is what i came to do um as i'm talking to you on my home interface right now but like (laughs) 
I used to record you know. in the basement all the time when I was younger, which is kind of funny. Uh, but not kind of funny. I mean, kind of funny in the sense where like I hate doing that now. Like all I could do is like I would have to run and press the space bar and then go run back to the mic and shit. Like I come from that. So like I would like say turn me up and the engineer's not there. Like I'm that type of nigga. But yeah, I enjoy studios way more. Like I enjoy like going fucking crazy in there. I like being in there alone, just me and the engineer too. Like if you don't have anything to do with the song, you don't need to be in the studio with me. Like if you're not adding shit, I don't need you around. I need to just get these thoughts off. I need to just like wild out in private. And you have a don't you have a background in like slam poetry? I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I slammed in high school. I went to BMV before because Baltimore and PG County had a team. And um, I went to Cupsy before when I was an undergrad too. So yeah, I had some slam shit as well. Do you think that helps you with your writing or do you feel like slam poetry is different than rapping? It's different. It was a gateway, I'd say. I used to do both of those things. But after a while, like, you know, the niggas I know that are like poets that are popping and shit, like they really took this poet shit seriously and the niggas i know that rappers really took this rap shit seriously um i don't think i'm gonna drop a chat book or nothing like that you know what i'm saying you can do both but as far as my priorities it was definitely rapping and shit like after a while i'm like i want to do this like i don't want to play the publishing game but mm-hmm. it's cool and music video wise do you have any music videos you're gonna drop with your singles man i need a lot more that's the that's the kind of the the it, it seems counterintuitive it's kind of the place that i struggle to translate myself the most like i'm like a words guy like as far as like a, a video that's going crazy i feel like the ideas that i have sometimes i don't have the resources to do them so i keep trying to like meet those expectations with what i do have which is really all you can do but it, i get frustrated man i get really frustrated with that um you know my shit to be a fucking movie you know what i'm saying yeah. but like i'm gonna figure it out are you into adult swim i feel like you're someone who'd be into adult swim passively yeah i mean i used to watch when i was younger um not as much now but yeah like i fucked with aqua team having voice and shit like that did you ever check out off the air no i don't know what that is oh off the air is like it's kind of like a psychedelic show where i think most of it is like adult swim singles that they turn into like music videos and each episode is like 10 minutes long and they'll like focus on like a topic like the first ever episode it's called animals and it's just about like animals and they'll be like actual clips of animals and then it'll be like illustrations of like trippy animations of like a tiger turning into like a rat or something it's like all psychedelic colors and the whole time there's like no words or anything it's just like music i think stuff like that is pretty cool i feel like your music would do well behind just like trippy animations yeah don't swim hit my line bro let me get this single off they fuck with the indie niggas let's do this shit there we go do you think do you think underground hip hop has always been a thing or do you think it's coming back now? What do you mean? Like people will try to, I think people try to label like a Griselda or an Armin Hammer as like underground, but I think underground is kind of becoming a genre that's associated with like gritty rap. Do you see that? No, I mean, some people kind of like argue for whether or not that's even like an accurate label anymore. Like, cause when you think underground, I would think I'll probably associate it with independent shit, but mm-hmm. like, you know, underground could be a lot of shit. It could be basically like, if you're not a little baby, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a lot of, it's levels to the shit. It's brackets to the shit. So like compared to little baby. Yeah. Like Arm and Hammer is like way more underground. They got album with Alchemist, but like, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be a rap caviar, you know, but I don't know. We, we probably need new terms around these things. I like new understandings around it. I'd say. So. Crash Prez, what is 
some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? You're going to do a lot of your growth when people are not watching and you should cherish that because imagine if you got everything you wanted tomorrow and you're not ready, you'd be looking crazy. It's a very different thing to grow in front of people. It's a very different thing to always have that voice over your, your shoulder. Like you have your own voice over your shoulder, but then you have the world over your shoulder. It's going to make you make different decisions most of the time, unless you have the fortitude ready for that. So be careful and build with each other, work together. Stop being impressed by what these other niggas is doing. Comparison really is a thief of joy. Um, don't stop trying to reach up to the carrot niggas dangle over your forehead all the time. Cause I guarantee if you work with the niggas around you, y'all gonna crack together, y'all shine together. That's the point. Even the people I know that are cracking now, they all rock with each other. Why? Cause they knew each other when they ain't had shit. My niggas, same difference, same thing. We finna get some shit though. I know some niggas with some shit. Hell yeah. Put some work into your work. Don't just over aesthetic niggas to death, please. I'm sick of empty aesthetic with no fucking work. God damn, nigga. You take cute pictures. That's cool. Is the shit fire or not? Have some fire shit. You need both in this fucking world, especially if you're trying to rap. You need niggas need to look at you and try to figure out what you about. That's another thing I struggle with, bro. I don't want to just be easily understood all the goddamn time. Like that's not even realistic. Most regular people aren't easily understood, but niggas want to make you flatten yourself and and choose a a lane. Pick a struggle literally to try to like articulate that in the marketplace or whatever. But like, I hate when niggas look so cool. You ain't saying nothing of importance. Not trying to do nothing, nigga. If you don't take a risk, make sure that what you're doing the actual art of it, the actual work is as far as your aesthetic, if not more fire than your aesthetic, bro. The aesthetic is a hook, bro. That's a tease, bro. You got to like look at it to kind of see what you're looking at to even see what you're talking about. This music shit's powerful. It's very powerful. Don't underestimate that. There we go. I think you're a really cool person, dude. I'm going to fuck with you in Seattle, bro. Yes, sir. I'm going to pop out. There we go. Kanye, Kanye, he his main venue he usually performs at is Key Arena in Seattle, and they're under construction. But once that's done, he'll probably come out here. And we'll, we gonna have to gather around the Kanye show. I'm not, man, we <laughs> yeah. gather, period. I don't gotta just gather around the Kanye show. Shit, I'm just playing. <laughs> you got plug. You be going for free. We going to Seattle and be going to Kanye for free. There we go. <laughs> Same on Blake's list. I'm on the NAS podcast list. Yes. Get my credentials and shit. So I can make my TikTok and lie about shit. There we go. So what is the easiest way for people to reach you? Everywhere on the internet is at Crash Prez. It's all caps crash, lowercase prez. C-R-A-S-H-P-R-E-Z. One word. All caps crash, lowercase prez. I've seen niggas butcher my name a million different ways. Don't be one of them niggas. Twitter, Instagram, whatever, what have you. It's funny that niggas say you rap with your Instagram. That's the proof to the aesthetic part. Like, nigga, it's a business card at this point. You rap with your Instagram. It's hilarious. But I'm everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I don't got nothing on my TikTok yet. Um, music. You can buy it on Bandcamp. Buying shit does way more than streaming. I'm on all the streaming shit too. Spotify, Apple, Title, all that shit. If you Google Crash Press, if you know you Google Michael Penn II, I'm gonna come up. Yeah, come out here. you feel me? There's not really any Michael Penn II, so you definitely pop up. 
Yeah, I pop up. Yeah, for real. There's a Michael Penn, like a white dude that was on the Godzilla 2000 soundtrack or something like that. I'm not. I'm not them. I'm not. I'm not that guy. Well, if you think that it. nigga, you do some content with that nigga. <laughs> Is he alive? Hold up. <laughs> Let me see if he's alive. Also, if you think about it, you're closer to Kanye than you think. When you type in Michael Penn the second, your Kanye article pops up. So does it? Yeah, popped up for me. Let me double no, check. No Myth is a song by rock singer Michael Penn in 1989. So that nigga's probably like, he might yeah. be 50 something. He ain't dead. I don't think he's dead. Nick's 62. He's not dead. Matter of fact, I remember like a year or two ago, like I think like Stereo Gum like featured him and I quote tweeted it as a joke. But yeah, no, nah, that nigga's alive. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Michael Penn is the first son of actor and director leo penn and the brother of sean and chris penn oh shit damn nigga work with this guy now dude he can connect you with sean penn and then sean penn knows fucking directors that's fucking that's how you get in i did not know that he composed on girls he composed on a lot of shit i did not know this yeah we got a link (laughs) we got a link there we go. Ain't big enough for the two of us. Nigga. This has been a crazy podcast episode, and we've been just talking about all sorts of stuff. And uh, this is the NAS podcast with the one and only. Doot, doot. <laughs> Crash press. Doot, doot. doot.